Hey, welcome to the pre-show ramble for this Electric Liberty Land episode number 131. Buy some coffee, buy some coffee to start your day. Morning Roar Coffee, sure to make you say, hey, liberty's great. Seriously, go to lionsofliberty.com forward slash coffee. And if it's your first time ordering, you can get 10% off by putting in the code ROAR10. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Hey, my little love nuggets. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, episode number 131. Of course, meaning you can find all the show notes at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL131. I have to redub over because I said 30 this whole fucking time. Anyway, welcome to the podcast. For once, I actually feel pretty good, and uh, which is shocking because I was in, <laughs> I was in Nola or New Orleans. Despite not hearing that many really strong accents, I was actually disappointed. Didn't hear many people just going, oh, the crawl dance in the bar down. But anyway, I was in New Orleans with Mark Claire, also with our buddy James Perry. He is a, uh, a libertarian as well. But it was for, uh, for old James's bachelor party. So sorry, gals, if you were looking for a Texan who lives in Los Angeles, you're out of luck. But we did have a hell of a time. And uh, the reason I think I am not as crapped out as I normally would be after attending back-to-back bacchanals, because, of course, we were at Porkfest and then went straight from that, basically, with about two days leeway into this uh, New Orleans bachelor party, is because I came down with a terrible, terrible, my sinuses, terrible case of food poisoning from imbibing, I believe, one of the town's regional oysters. Now, it went down smooth and delicious, and I had several of them, of course, inviting illness upon myself. But uh, yeah, so that took me out early on night number two. So I did not stay up till 5 a.m. as did many of the people patronizing that bachelor party and that city. So despite the fact that I was incredibly ill and uh, did not feel great, I did catch up on sleep because I felt so bad. And uh, you know, as of last night, I was in bed at like eight o'clock, still feeling the effects. However, all the good stories, because there are some crazy stories from Porkfest, which uh, you heard, maybe you heard a little bit of them on, on some of the podcasts we did, but the real nitty gritty stories will be coming out on this week's Degenerate Gamblers, which we're going to be recording on the 3rd. So that should be out either later on the 3rd or on the 4th of July itself. Maybe that'll be our episode celebrating the 4th of July. If you're a Pride member, you could listen to all of the crazy shit that went down at Porkfest and also in New Orleans High liver teaser, guys. You got to join the pride if you want to hear what happened in New Orleans. Let me just say this. Uh, there were parties crashed, which did not end well for Mark and I, <laughs> but it is hilarious. And there were uh, instances wherein I found myself in a transsexual bar. And uh, I'll just leave it at that. I can't give any way, any more away without giving the full story away. And, you know, as my old granny used to say, if you want to buy the bull, you got to look in its ass. So can't give away that T-bone stick. But yeah, join the pride, guys. Go to patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. Okay, let's get into today's show. What do you say? What do you think? What do you say? So first things, got to talk about Andy 
Nigo, Andy, I don't even know how to spell his name. You know, I really should look things up before the show to find out how they're they're spelled. Because, you know, I'm just reading articles about it, and I do not like to watch mainstream media broadcasts. The only time I really see anything like that is if somebody tweets it at me or I I happen to catch a clip of it online, embedded in an article, and click on it. But uh, Andy Nigo, I'll say. we got to talk about this. I mean, this guy who was a journalist for Quillette. Now, of course, the mainstream media is calling him a, quote, conservative journalist. And I don't think in any way, shape, or form you can call Quillette a conservative journalistic uh, entity. If anything, I would say they are classically liberal. And if anything, they're to the left of Dave Rubin, or the Dave Rubens, as I enjoy calling him, because they've gone after him. First, they interviewed the guy. He has had several of them on his podcast. And again, I don't listen to every one of Dave's podcasts. Kind of, I kind of pick and choose my battles there with that, with listening because I get a little irked that he doesn't question people a little bit more thoroughly on his show. But still, I think he's doing uh, doing good work. But they have, you know, Dave Rubens has these. <laughs> Dave Rubens. Dave Rubin has several people from there from Quillette uh, on. I think Kathy Young was on. I think Claire can't remember her full name. The the main editor and founder of Quillette on there, and just talking. You know, they pretty much align with libertarian theory. Uh, but they are more left-leaning, and they had gone after Dave Rubin because they said that he was giving alt-right party members and alt-right voices a platform, which, of course, is such a fucking stupid argument to ever make. That giving somebody a platform, i.e. allowing them to expose their ideas, which, you know, gives people the opportunity to decide whether they're fucking bullshit or not. If they are fucking bullshit. So you got to say, okay, give them a platform, allow them to voice these things, allow them to air them out, allow the public to have a discourse about them rather than having them simply live in a dark corner of the internet. Get them out of the open so that way people know what these people are talking about. They know what the benefits might be. They know what the drawbacks might be. They can see if this person's a complete psychopath. They can see if maybe there's something to take from it. You know, this world we live in, in which everything is purely black and white, good and evil, is so self-destructive, so idiotic. You know, it's like people come down in cultural appropriation. By the way, the greatest thing that human society has ever had, cultural appropriation, has led to trade, has led to uh, the evolution of societies, has led to cultural reforms, has led to cultural expansions, has led to the Industrial Revolution, for Christ's sakes, you know, in trading knowledge. That is literally cultural appropriation. You know, the Egyptians came up with uh, a great system for mathematics, You know, maybe somebody should culturally appropriate that. Oh, they invented paper. Let me just take that from your culture too. It's not just fucking dreadlocks. It's everything. (laughs) So anyway, you know, why do we have some more cultural appropriation of ideas here? Wherein somebody might have a platform that they're uh, they're an ideology that is 90% just fucking idiotic dog shit. But maybe 10% of that dog shit, you know, maybe that dog swallowed a diamond. Unlike my dog, who one time swallowed a ball of meth and weed. <laughs> I guess maybe he could take some out of that. True story, by the way. Horrible. I actually thought this morning he, I swear to God, there was something on the concrete walking down the street and he eats his ball. I think it turned out to be a powdered donut. I thought it was a ball of crack. And I was like, God damn it. Hank, spit it out. And he was like, oh no, I'm riding this roller coaster. Anyway. of that stupid garbage may be very worthwhile. It might be a great nugget of truth in there, a nugget of of inspiration, which you take and you say, okay, let me pull that into what we're doing. 
Or let me create a new platform based upon that one truth or that one great idea that can help human society move forward. But no, instead, we have to silence all dissenters. We can't listen to that. And of course, that ties into what Antifa does, continues to do. These people who essentially were created as this assaulting force against what they called right-wing hate speech, what they called fascism, of course, rising up after Donald Trump came to power and going after people like Milo Yiannopoulos, who you may not like Milo, but he's not an imposing figure. He's a slight gay British man. And as you know, that's really one of those prominent times I can remember Antifa being involved. But even farther than that, you know, they go to these events, these free speech events. They beat the shit out of people. They go to Trump rallies. They're assaulting people in Trump hats. They're pepper spraying girls who aren't even wearing Trump hats. They're just wearing red hats. They're beating up elderly people. And again, these people are such cowards. It's not like they go up and they, they confront you one-on-one and they you know, decide, okay, we're going to fight. Even though, But even then, you know, say maybe I'm trying to fight a 90-year-old man. Probably, probably not the boldest maneuver there. You brave anti-fascists in your fucking masks. But they don't fight like that. Of course, they fight like cowards. They come in in a group. They attack people that are kind of like, like kind of like a, a pride of lions. Not to not to confuse it with our lions pride, mind you. But or I'd say actually, you know what? I don't want to use our phraseology because at least there's there's some intelligence. There's some there's some pride to our pride. Let's say a pack of wild hyenas. How about that? Hyenas that are mostly scavengers, but hey, if they come upon a wounded beast, then they're going to try to attack it from all sides. And that's what Antifa does. They find someone that is unable to really protect themselves, especially in this environment where these people are wielding padlocks in socks. They're wielding bike locks and beat people over the heads with. They're using, you know, assault gloves. But anyway, their sheer goal is to quiet any dissent against this communist message, to disavow and disallow any sort of free speech, and to crush any opposition by means of pure violence. They are animals. They are disgusting. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things, you know, we obviously as libertarians, we preach nonviolence, but we are, without a doubt, very proud of our ability to defend ourselves. And I tell you, man, it's going to come to a real bad ending, I think, very soon for these people. This, I'm hoping this actually is the straw that breaks the camel's back in regards to this. And I'm going to get into the media reaction to this Andy Ngo assault in just a minute. Uh, you know, citing people citing this like this fucking asshole at Huffington Post saying that the Proud Boys are the reason that they're there, not the other way around. Not that not that the Proud Boys are response to Antifa, which they were. Not that a lot of the violence that came up from right wing sides, you know, people going armed, the guy, the American Shield Man, was a response to Antifa. They're saying that that somehow the right initiated this, not that Antifa was created and starting beating the shit out of people at free speech events, and then there was a response predictably. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. I am hoping that this is going to be something where Antifa members really start getting their shit just destroyed. I mean, I think it's only a matter of time until an Antifa member is killed. And the reason being is that when you have these people operating in these vigilante groups and you've got assholes like Portland's mayor who basically refuses to do anything about it. And Andy Ngo is going to, going to sue this guy, which he should, or say the city of Portland, which he should, because it's basically telling the police to stand down. We saw the same thing in Charlottesville where the police stood down and allowed violence to occur between these two groups, allowed the Antifa and the, the leftists to, who was outnumbered these men marching, these idiots marching in this, this stupid event they put on, Unite the Right. But they allowed these people that outnumbered them 10 to 1 to just assault and, and batter them. And the police just stood there 
you know, pushing them to each other. But you're going to have people with they go to these things. They're going to come armed. I know if I was ever going to go to, to an event where an Antifa member was going to be, or I knew Antifa was going to be a presence, or I even thought there might, I was, I would be armed. I'd probably bring a knife. I'd probably bring a, a gun if I, if I had a gun, which I need. I know. Don't, don't fucking tweet at me. I'm planning on getting my gun. I just need to get the thing. I know how to shoot. That's not a problem. I'm a good shot. I just have been too lazy to pass the test and go through all the rigmarole here in California, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it in the next couple months. There's a reason why that I will share with all of you soon enough. But I know knowing myself and a little backstory on me, guys. I mean, hey, you listen to the show. You know, I'm a funny guy uh, and I can get pissed off. You know, I, I, you like to listen in because you like to hear me crack jokes. You like to hear me get pissed, but I'll tell you, man, it's been a, it's been a fight my whole life to rein in, uh, the rage within. And, you know, that's a, that's something that's always ongoing. I've, I've chilled out quite a bit compared to my younger years, but man, there's, there's a time where it didn't take much, you know, it did not take much. And, uh, if I was in a situation wherein I'm surrounded by these black mass dildos and I think that my life's in danger, in truth, it might be nice to have that feeling of just pure release where I don't have to worry about holding myself back anymore because I'm in a situation wherein it's your life or mine. And if that situation arises, I am going to turn into more beast than man. And I will fucking rip throats and I will bite people in the goddamn neck and I will gouge eyes and I will kill as many people as humanly possible uh, before I'm taken down. And I think that that is the situation which we are going to be fast approaching. Because, I mean, I just don't know. If I was in his position, of course, you're surrounded, but he was protecting himself for the most part. You know, this guy, Andy to go is a little guy. I mean, you've probably seen the video by now, which is just horrendous. These cowards just punching him in the back of the fucking head, throwing shit at him, throwing milkshakes with quick dry cement in them, allegedly, which can cause chemical burns. He's protecting himself. For me, yeah, I'd protect myself, man. But if I got somebody close enough, you better goddamn believe I'm going to try to hurt them as badly as I can humanly possibly hurt those people. Go full fucking chimp on them. So the media will have a field day with it if it happens. I mean, this, this journalist, this quote-unquote conservative journalist, so says the lefty media. They don't want to cover this because obviously the left can't, can't commit violence right there. The best they're fighting the fascist. We can't blame the left for any violent acts. No, no, we have to overlook this. Neither can the fucking democratic candidates, by the way, only Andrew Yang, as of the recording time of this podcast late Tuesday has actually spoken up and said that you can't just beat the shit at a journalist in the street for filming you for no reason, no matter what side you're on. Of course, the mainstream media as a whole, silent on it, or, well, Brian Setzer, to his credit, actually stand up, stood up and, and said something, which I was surprised to see. But for the most part, the mainstream media hasn't said anything, or they've said that he deserved it, right? Now, can you imagine, though, once an Antifa member gets his little pussy ass killed for assaulting somebody in the street, and they defend themselves righteously against these attackers, these gang attackers? You'll never hear the end of it. Never hear the end of it, guaranteed. Now, let me just talk a little bit about, you know, just to wrap this up. You know, I talked about the media, the media coverage for this. And the most ideal example of how people are covering this 
Even those who say, and this guy isn't one of them, I'm going to talk about in a second, but even those, you know, these mainstream journalists that are like, oh, well, you shouldn't have violence, but, you know, he had it coming. He was there antagonizing them, you know. He's there, he's been doing stories about them as if they're not talking about a violent mob that attacks people. And by the way, Andy go. he's one guy that got attacked, right? But there's also two old men that were standing there that were trying to help him. You know, these two old guys that just got this shit kicked out of them. One guy's massive cuts on his head. Just, ugh, just disgusting. But listen to this. This, you know, Huffington Post, which again is just such a pathetic excuse for a publication. I try to avoid it at all costs, but I had to, to talk about this guy because this Andy Campbell, just what a piece of human garbage this guy is. Here's the title of his article. Far-right extremists wanted blood in Portland streets. Once again, they got it. And basically, he says that Annie Ngo is just a distraction. You know, the fact that Antifa brutally beat up a tiny gay man who happens to be Asian, so he's not also a person of color, but a tiny gay Asian man who's standing around filming them with a GoPro and whom they specifically targeted, by the way, because he has had negative coverage and they've seen him at other events. So no, he doesn't matter per, per Andy Campbell. What matters is that Patriot Prayer and the Proud Boys host free speech events, which are just under the guise of traps to lure in Antifa thugs so that then they can get bloodied and make it look like there's a big body count rising for violence against the, the right. Right? So that, that's his point. Okay. Now, let's go along with his, his way of thinking. Let's say that's true. Let's say they're just hosting these events. And he says that he has proof of, of uh, the Proud Boys in their forums planning on what they're going to bring to these events to protect themselves, right? To beat up the anti-fascists. Of course, they wouldn't have to bring this stuff if they weren't anti-fascist and Antifa. And if, as I said earlier, they weren't rising because of violent thug groups like Antifa. But okay, so let's go along with his thinking. They're only hosting these events to get people to come and, and have a, a rising body count for themselves. Now, if that's the case and these thugs are showing up from Antifa and the thugs from Antifa are in fact beating the shit out of them and injuring people. Now, of course, they're, the, the thugs from Antifa, by the way, aren't actually engaging with the Proud Boys because they're pussies and cowards. They would never do that. So they're not going to engage with another group that's armed because that's not the way Antifa fights. So Antifa, actually, what they would do was show up to these events, yell back and forth with the Proud Boys. Maybe, the, maybe a few kicks are exchanged, but no real violence because they, they wouldn't do that. Terrifies. Uh, and what ends up happening is that they actually attack journalists like Andy Ngo. There was a list of some 10 other journalists. I think Jesse Single had put this together. He's a pro very progressive journalist, but he's actually good on this topic, putting it together saying that this isn't the first time they've attacked journalists. And, uh, and of course, they attack elderly and, like I said earlier, the weak who can't really protect themselves. And somehow Andy Campbell thinks that the fact that no one's literally died, this is what he ends his column with, by saying that the fact that literally no one has died proves his point that the Proud Boys and uh, Patriot Prayer only do this for show to draw in Antifa and make it look like Antifa's a problem. But meanwhile, that itself disproves his fucking point. If these people are showing up and they're armed and they're violent thugs, he's, it's proving the point that there's a problem. You should be able to have an event and not have violent groups of mass thugs show up and beat people in the streets. Period. I don't care why you're putting the event on. I mean, this is like if I went out to the woods and 
I held an event because there's a lot of wolf attacks, a lot of wolves attacking my village. And I put on a, an event and I say, you know, I'm, I'm going to sit there in the middle of the woods and I want to tell everybody why these wolf attacks are really fucked up. And uh, God, these wolves, they keep killing everybody, these wolves. And then, you know, in the middle of my, my fuck wolves event, a pack of wolves comes and attacks me. It doesn't mean I was wrong about the wolves. Just because I'm raising awareness about it, just because maybe me sitting in the middle of the wilderness might attract more wolves than otherwise, doesn't mean that it's not still fucking wolves taking my kids. Wolves are wolves, man. So Andy Campbell, go punch yourself in the face. Asshole. And just in general, anybody talking about this, anybody talking about this that isn't completely disgusted and opposed, anybody that's secretly in the heart of hearts thinking, uh, he deserved it. He's part of the problem, you know, He's because he's aligned with conservatives. More of these people need to be beaten up for, for thinking differently. Uh, thanks, my dog is shaking right in the middle of my speech. For you, the people need to be beaten for thinking differently than me. Man, let's take a long look in the mirror. And just acknowledge what a piece of human garbage you are. All right, let's move on to the next topic. Next up. All right, let's talk a little bit about the debates. Now, of course, you guys should have listened to our two debate recap shows. They were the best debate recap shows. The best. Not a question. They were not boring, as Donald Trump said, uh, winning the debate with that one word, I think. They were, in fact, fantastic. We had uh, Remzo, Trisha, Stewart, uh, JB. I don't know. JB was on mine. <laughs> Rico and John Odermatt. That was on the debate number two. The first debate was me, Mark, JB, and Howie. That, of course, was debate number one. But, yeah, make sure you check those out. They were uh, great recaps of two fucking terrible debates. Some, some quick thoughts, though. Because I did not get to see the second debate. I was running around, again, prepping to get to uh, to New Orleans. But first thing I wanted to talk about uh, regarding the overall polls, Tulsi Gabbard, while not having the best performance, I mean, she could have had a much better performance, acknowledge that, but having a pretty damn good performance compared to the other assholes on stage. Of course, Drudge Report has a, a poll, like immediate reaction after the debate, and Tulsi Gabbard ran away with it. 45% voted for Tulsi Gabbard. Pretty fucking good. And you would think that maybe as the one sole voice for anti-war, the one that's really speaking out, that's her issue. And, you know, she falls in line with everybody else and all this stupid crap. You know, universal health care, climate change, all that kind of nonsense. Uh, all those nonsense talking points that Democrats love to, to spew. But she's excellent at anti-war. And, of course... With a war-weary nation like we are that's been in perpetual war with the longest ongoing war still in Afghanistan to this day. Of course, with the war on terror ongoing, we're in something like 40 different arenas of war worldwide, including some like 20 places in Africa. Africa? What are we doing in Africa? God damn it, man. They're making fucking coconut radios like Gilligan's Island over in Africa to come attacking us with. And of course, a brand spanking new war with Iran on the horizon. Although Trump pulled back from that, fortunately. But anyway, you would understand why people would gravitate towards, you know, this pretty, uh, very knowledgeable woman on the war issues who seems to have served her country well, that made it a point to go out of her way to say she doesn't still hold the LGBTQ views she did as a youth, which were something about conversion therapy and her father, who was a minister, some shit like that. Which, of course, 
The moderators had to bring that question up. They had to ask that question, didn't they? Never mind. Never mind. They don't ask any of the other candidates the hard questions. Don't ask Joe Biden why he touches girls inappropriately constantly. Don't ask uh, little Pocahontas there why she lied about having Native American heritage. Used that to her advantage for, what, 45 years? Still hilarious that Harvard listed her as the only Native American professor in their roster. But they made sure to call Tulsi out on on her previous views when she was like 25 or something like that. Anywho, she runs away with the Drudge Report poll. And predictably, the media wants to glance over that fact. Like, look over at Vox. Aaron Ruper writes over at Vox that the Democratic debates help demonstrate the dubiousness of online polls. Because again, you can't have anybody that's not the mainstream Dane candidate do anything interesting, right? You can't have an anti-war candidate up there being popular. That's crazy talk. We got to have establishment only. I mean, this is just like Ron Paul back in 2012 or 2008, excuse me. When, you know, you have, you have these great moments where he's inspiring people. He has these great debate moments, which people finally wake up and they go, holy shit. I mean, the entire blowback conversation with Giuliani where people, they're waking up, they're, they're breaking out of their shells. They're, you know, they're taking the blinders off. They're pulling the little metal things out of their eyeballs that have been holding their eyelids open so they can watch the nonstop propaganda that is broadcast to us about how America is the greatest place on earth and we only fight for freedom and liberty. And when you can finally blink your eyes for a couple of minutes, get some moisture in there, you open them up again, you realize that we're just blowing people up nonstop for no reason, making ourselves less safe as we create more and more terrorists the world over by murdering their children and starving them with sanctions and, inf- and like just interfering with our daily goddamn lives and how we're the biggest hypocrites on the planet. People start waking up. People get excited. People go to online polls. But this asshole at Vox thinks that doesn't count. It is the Ron Paul treatment. We're seeing it apply to Tulsi. Now, Tulsi is no Ron Paul. Don't get me wrong. But we're seeing the same thing play out. All right, that was one quick note. Second thing, I just had to take note of this this stupid fight between Kamala Harris and Joe Biden. Now, Kamala Harris decided to attack Joe Biden on what he had said about, you know, working with segregationists before, which was a really stupid mistake on Joe Biden's part. He is just not savvy at all. And I do wonder if he's going to keep, you know, I, just by derping along, I, I don't know if he's going to make it all the way to the end of this. The guy is just too stupid. He's too prone to gaffes. He's like if Gary Johnson somehow became vice president. That literally is how he comes across. He says so many dumb things. He makes so many missteps. He can't speak for 10 minutes without doing something. The media keys on him. I mean, what was he? Is that an event recently? And he's talking about how he... You, know, you, you didn't used to be able to, to make cracks about gay waiters, but you could do it now. <laughs> Something like that. I mean, he is just a gaff-making machine. But then Kamala Harris decides she wants to attack him because she wants to make sure that the federal government should bust people in to desegregate schools. And I guess Joe Biden was against this back way back in 1992. And actually, from a libertarian perspective, Joe Biden was right. Because he says, I don't want to have a federal mandate from the Department of Education forcing people to be busing kids into schools, force kids to be bused to schools, even if they don't want to be bused, forcing people who have these different neighborhoods to have kids bused in. Let that happen on a local level. 
You know, that's what Joe Biden wanted to do with it, which makes a lot of rational sense to me. Now, Kamala Harris had a very touching story about how she was bussed in from this place called The Flats. I was reading another salon story on this, by the way, so I'm a little more versed in it now. But she's talking about how that had such an impact on her. Now, granted, she only went there for first grade, and I think she was there for a couple of years, only in elementary school. She went to Montreal for the rest of her education, I believe. But still, Berkeley. So, you know, you're not talking about the absolute most disadvantaged part of the country. That being said, still quite a quite a difference between the school in the lower class, you know, mostly predominantly black area, and of course this white school that she was bussed into. So I can get where she's coming from. I understand it. Now, at the same time, I don't agree that busing people in via mandate and via federal policy is a good idea, even if it has good results. And this is one of the few places where I guess the results were decent. Now, there's a lot of places that the results were not very good. Of course, this led mostly to people protesting it because they didn't want people being bussed into their schools. And for the children being bussed in, it probably, for the most part, was not an experience that they enjoyed. So why am I talking about this? Here's why. Kamala Harris tackling this subject is the height of being a fucking hypocrite. And I'll explain why. Kamala Harris is a tool of the union. She is pandering to unions nonstop. She has this whole plan to raise teacher salaries by $13,500. She wants to make sure that uh, there's no school choice. She wants to make sure that there's no goddamn vouchers. She wants to get in bed with the union in the most croniest possible way in which you can embed yourself with a fucking shill group to push forth an education system. She is leading the charge to pander towards the education unions. Now, you'd think somebody that had a positive experience growing up, being bussed into a school, having that opportunity to go to a different school, which is better than the school for which you would be destined to attend in your geographic area, would be somebody that would be all for, say, giving parents, especially minority parents, especially the parents of black children or Latino children, which might be in geographic areas that have terrible schools, maybe giving those people the choice to send their kids somewhere else. Not federally mandating that choice by you, because Kamala Harris still says, she says that schools now are more segregated than they ever were. And you know what? She might be right. And you know who's to blame for that? The fucking government! Because the government is making sure that people don't have school choice. They're making sure that your taxes are taken out to pay for children going to schools locally. You can't afford to put them anywhere else because they don't give you that opportunity, except in a very select few states. And by the way, where they've done that, places like Arizona, you have schools that have seen desegregation. You have seen schools that have seen minority children getting far higher academic scores. You have seen the level of education rise because when you actually have competition in the marketplace, you need to up your game. You don't have shitty teachers skating along in shitty schools because they're protected being in a union. And they know that the money's going to come because they work with the federal government. The federal government says that you have to go to that school. Either that or you have to move your house physically. You have to up your family and move to a new location, which you probably can't afford. However, of course, we know if you give people vouchers, if you give them that ability to use tax money that would be taken out automatically and instead apply that towards sending their, their child to a better school, 
for which they can go and drop them off, for which they can arrange to have some sort of transportation on the side, maybe with other kids in the, uh, in the neighborhood. Well, then those people have the opportunity to give their children better education for roughly the same cost, or at most, a small and incremental amount more, which they are happy to pay to get those children out of the government-mandated shithole which they've been trapped at and detained in for the previous years of their existence. So Kamala Harris, you're a fucking hypocrite. You're a piece of shit. And I wish you nothing but the worst in life. Because to take this tact and not acknowledge that you are the cronious shill that is standing in the way of so many disadvantaged children of any race getting a better better education via school choice, via charter schools, via school vouchers, means you're either one of two things or both. A completely ignorant buffoon or a massive fucking liar. All right. Let's take a quick break. I'll be back with more ELL in just a minute. We don't rise to the level of our expectations. We fall to the level of our training. Those epic words from Archilochus can sum up your ability to succeed or fail in business. I want to recommend Conversation Mat Time to our listeners as a way to hone your one-on-one conversation skills in a role-playing session that can help take you to the next level. During 25-minute sessions, you'll work through the best way to approach that raise, that interview, or that relationship with a practice professional that will provide the confidence and experience you need to get paid what you're worth or take that interpersonal risk you've never been able to conquer. Just like in jiu-jitsu, the difference between a novice and a black belt is mat time. Train to win. Visit conversationmattime.com and take advantage of a free 15-minute consultation just for listeners of this show. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to Electric Liberty Land, episode number 130. Again, go to lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL 131 for all of the show notes from today's episode. And uh, who knows, maybe some gratuitous nudes of me will be waiting there for you. How's that for an incentive? Oh, hey, and while you're there, you can even click on the ammo.com banner. You can get yourself 20% off your order. I forgot to mention, I was hanging out with... uh, Alex from Ammo.com. He was at Porkfest. Fun hanging out with that dude. Guy lives a goddamn prince's life, though. He's like 24. He's traveling around the freaking world. Man, just makes me want to kill a man. Take his take his identity. Like, uh, <laughs> what was that movie? Leonardo DiCaprio. And Oh, no. Was it Leonardo DiCaprio? No, it wasn't. It was Matt Damon, where he steals someone's identity. And there's a whole thing with them in a boat. I don't know. I don't remember the name of it. Obviously, it wasn't a great movie. Anywho. We're back. Let's talk about North Korea. How about that idea? Because I just, I can't get over, you know, Donald Trump, I obviously, I hit on Donald Trump for a lot of things. And rightly so, because he has, you know, when he started his office, his whole run in office, he was deregulating, he was cutting taxes, he was talking about no regime change, he was meeting with North Korea, there was solid improvement in the relations there, they're talking about denuclearizing, we're finally having face-to-face talks, you got the DMZ opening up, you got South Korea and North Korea working together, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. And then, of course, he started backtracking, he starts getting us into more wars, he starts firing fucking rockets over in Syria. He starts putting more troops in Afghanistan, not less. Starts talking tariffs. He starts putting tariffs. Anyway, you know the whole shaboos. But one of the things that he's done recently, which I have to applaud him for, is he is re-engaging with North Korea. After a lot of bluster, finally, we're getting back on track 
with North Korea. And Donald Trump, over this past week, had went and visited, actually went over to North Korea, the first president, I can, I think in my life, or anyone's life, that has actually gone to North Korea to meet with one of the dictators, whether it be it Kim Jong-un or Kim Jong-il or Kim Jong-sun or whatever the fuck the guys before that were. And what does he get for this? What does he get for this act of diplomacy, this act of good faith to show that, you know, maybe unlike the other countries, <laughs> unlike we're talking about places like Libya, maybe by going there, by sitting down with this dictator on his home turf where Donald Trump could have easily been assassinated, I have no doubt about that. I mean, I actually really respect Donald Trump for this because he took a lot of risk by going to North Korea. Now, granted, North Korea would be obliterated off the map if they did assassinate him. But still, if you're Donald Trump, you took a big risk. The security, you know, even the, the special services or the, uh, the Secret Service admitted while he was there, he goes, we can't protect him there. Nothing they could do. Donald Trump would be dead in an instant. So I applaud him for taking the initiative to say, look, Kim, I'll go meet with you on your turf. I'm going to walk over. I'm going to set foot in North Korea. I'm going to set, set foot in your palace or wherever the fuck they met. And he even brought his daughter. So you could have killed two Trumps with one, one bullet, really, if you wanted to save on your ammunition. And of course, what does he get for this? Every one of the Democrats, you know, these, these front-running Democrats, just attack him. Mercilessly rip him apart. You've got... Ivanka must resign or some stupid thing on Twitter that's trending as if him bringing his daughter along is somehow different from anybody in the history of, you know, any, any hanger on any advisor. And she's one of his high level advisors. Who gives a shit if she's there? What does it matter? Is it, does it degrade the U S policy in some way? No, it doesn't matter. Maybe Kim Jong-un is like, you know, Trump, I give you a deal. Uh, let me, you know, I'll sex your daughter. I sex your daughter and I give up on nukes. And then, you know, Ivanka's like, Pops, I got to take one for the team here. I'm not giving up the anal, but I'll do anything else. And Donald Trump's like, Ivanka, you're the best. You're going to get an extra diamond ring for denuclearizing the Korean Peninsula. Anyway, you get my point. Who gives a fuck? I don't care why she was there. She might have literally been there as a pretty face to make this meeting going a little bit better because. Who knows, Kim Jong-un might have thought she was really beautiful and wanted to oppress her. I don't know, man. He's still a dude. He's a fat, pudgy, ugly dude. Maybe he's going to feel flattered that she's there, feel like he's getting some special attention. I don't really care. I just impressed that he's there. I think this should have happened fucking 50 years ago. Now maybe Kim's going to be encouraged to come here. And then we could kill him. <laughs> no, no, South Korea would be obliterated. But to say that we shouldn't go over there, that, that we shouldn't have face-to-face -face negotiations with a nuclear power that can take out an entire population with, uh, with a couple strokes of a button. It doesn't even have to be the nukes. Just sheerly the armament they have embedded in the mountains, the artillery cannons can take out all of Seoul in a heartbeat. To say that we shouldn't go meet with these people, even though the man's a dictator, for the good of humanity... Now think about that. We always talk about America as a great force for good, right? And you've got assholes on both sides of the aisle, Democrats and Republicans alike, saying that, you know, the United States, it's our role to be the, the police of the world. It's our role to be the, the, the bright, shining light. We go to war in all these other fucking countries for, quote unquote, democracy and liberty. But meanwhile, Donald Trump can't go meet with a crazy dictator 
to try to get him to denuclearize, to try to get him to adopt 20th century ways of 21st century manners, to try to get him to engage in capitalism. I mean, we saw North Korea has just started engaging with some amount of capitalism, some amount of free trade. And already, so I read some story about this, the, the general just poverty level of their people rose like 10% in a year. So you're telling me that's not for good? You're telling me even though Kim Jong-un has done terrible things to his people, he's starved them to death, he's blown them up with air, air cannons, I mean, he's shot Gatling guns at him. I, I don't, you know, all these things have happened. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't go and negotiate with them head on to try to make people's lives better from now moving forward. The people that are dead are dead. You ain't bringing them back. Worry about the people that are alive over there, that are suffering over there. The faster we can get that, that economy engaged with the rest of the world, the faster we can get that firewall dropped down of control, of authoritarianism, the better everyone's going to be. So fuck all of these assholes that are attacking Trump for meeting with Kim Jong-un. If you're a humanitarian, you should be over the goddamn moon about this. Now, the worst of the worst... Well, Tim Ryan, of course, noted fucking mongoloid Tim Ryan, uh, who got just owned by Tulsi Gabbard in the debate so badly. I mean, t- Tim Ryan, it was funny because they're talking about 9-11 and how he thought the Taliban attacked us on 9-11 when it was, it was Al-Qaeda, who was protected by the Saudis. Tim Ryan had his own 9-11 moment talking about 9-11, and it was on live TV, and it was just beautiful to watch the planes crash into his head. But Elizabeth Ryan, she, oh, sorry, Tim Ryan compared meeting with Kim Jong-un like Chamberlain talking to Hitler. So, you know, that's where his level of sophistication's at. But Elizabeth Warren, not to be outdone, had this to say about Trump being the first sitting president to step into North Korea. Quote, our president shouldn't be squandering American influence on photo ops and exchanging love letters with a ruthless dictator. Instead, we should be dealing with North Korea through principal diplomacy that promotes U.S. security, defends our allies, and upholds human rights. Okay, Elizabeth. So tell me, Elizabeth, what exactly would principal diplomacy promoting U.S. security, defending our allies, and upholding human rights look like? Because it seems like that's exactly what Trump is doing. It seems like diplomacy is going and meeting face-to-face with your enemies and trying to work out, you know, things that are going to protect your interests and the security of your country, like, say, denuclearizing your fucking weapon stash. And defending your allies, oh, you mean like making sure North Korea doesn't blow up all of Seoul? Would that be would that be kind of in line with what you're thinking? Oh, and upholding human rights? Oh, you mean like trying to get them to engage with the world's economy? Trying to open up their borders? Trying to have trade? Trying to have fucking tourism again? Trying to allow people to freely cross between North Korea and South Korea? Because that's kind of all of it! This woman is such a fucking moron. I just... I. I'm blown away by her support levels. I I don't get it. I don't get the allure of her. I don't think she's intelligent. I don't think that she she is inspiring in any way. And she puts out tripe like this. Woman, what do you want him to do? I'm sorry, I, I don't get it. He's gotten closer than any other president in the history of the world to getting North Korea to open up and to give up their nuclear weapons. And even if they don't give them up, Simply bringing them into the economy and getting them to become a normalized society is a huge win. Once they have that, they're not going to want to drop nukes on anybody. Because then, much like we do here, 
they have too much to lose. When societies have too much to lose, they tend to become stable because nobody wants to upset the apple cart and lose all their shit. You fucking idiot. Absolutely exasperating. God, I'm getting so hot in my den. It is hot in LA, man, and I still don't have AC. Partially because it's tax season, and uh, I'm I'm going back and forth with the account we're working with now. Our tax bill was $14,000, so that was a, an interesting surprise, especially because we bought a house this year, so you know that should be far less considering all the taxes that we've paid on it. Uh, anyway, uh, those are my problems. Those are my first California world problems, guys, so we don't need to go into those. All right, let's finish this thing up. Some quick thoughts on AOC going to the border. Uh, this thing. So, you know, there was this whole story about a Facebook group for the prison border crossing guards, you know, these people that man the facilities and are stationed at the border. And predictably, this Facebook group, this private Facebook group, had a lot of real weird shit in it. Had a lot of derogatory statements, had a lot of really racist jokes, had a lot of sexual jokes about AOC because clearly... Now, she's been one of the, the banner front runners for shitting all over the border guards and the border facilities. And of course, she's a cute girl. Uh, all these border guards, well, not all, but the vast majority are men. You don't think that they're going to maybe put two and two together, maybe put their hatred for you together with the fact that you're a hot chick and make some sort of slanderous remarks about wanting to bang your face holes? Because if you didn't think that, you don't know anything about human psychology or human nature. Frankly, this is essentially any forum on the internet. People are assholes, and left to their own devices, they will be assholes, especially when they believe that they're in a private environment, which, you know, you're not going to have interlopers come in. Now, an institution discovered this. Let me see. What the fuck were they called? I can't remember. Politif, not PolitiFact. Oh, ProPublica. So ProPublica uncovers this Facebook group for Border Patrol agents. And again, it's just, like I said, jokes and, and memes and all this other shit. So, of course, there's a lot of outrage about that from the Democrats. And uh, the thing about that, that just, it's, it's too delicious. I, 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 I waft it, you know, like a, like a delicious souffle coming out of the oven. I waft the hypocrisy of this into my nostrils and, and I breathe deep. The hypocrisy of these Democrats, right? They, they get all bent out of shape about this. And they say, oh my God, these people are just ridiculous. And how can we trust them to be wards of the, all these innocent immigrants that are trying to come in our country? And that, of course, we need for our voter rolls because, you know, the Democrats are pandering shitheads. So, you know, they need all these people to maintain their voter base. How can they be trusted? Right? So that's, okay, I could see that reaction. I mean, I could see that reaction if you also didn't want to vastly expand the size of government in every form. And if you didn't, for some reason, not realize that government is made up of the same shitty people. These people are all government employees. They're not all Republicans. You think every border guard is a Republican? You think every border guard hates Mexicans? No, they're just people that want to make a living. Guaranteed. 90% of them probably don't even post to that Facebook group, not involved. The people that do are probably a very small amount that take pleasure in it, posting memes, shit talking. They find it a place to air their grievances, to kind of let it all hang out where they're not going to be judged. I mean, look, guys, doing your job, let's say you're a waiter. If there's a private waiters group, holy shit, the stuff that you're going to hear in there. 
The stories about customers, the hatred spewed forth, wanting to kill them, wanting to beat them, wanting to put shit in their food, talking about pissing and, sh- and crapping and coming in their chowder, sexual molestation of customers in the bathroom fantasies. All of these things will happen because it's human nature. You're working a job, shit happens on your job, you vent about it to people on the job, not thinking too much about it. To blow this into a huge thing is idiotic. But again, the bigger point here is no matter what what you're trying to do, every government institution is still made up of people. And within those government institutions, people are shitty. People are assholes and idiots. Just because it's government doesn't make this as altruistic good. You don't suddenly become absolved of your sins. You know, this isn't some Catholic bullshit where you're on your deathbed and you were fucking kids for 10 years and you go, oh, Father, I've sinned. Please forgive me on my deathbed. And suddenly, oh, it's all good. Yeah, clean slate, buddy. Good. Die. You're good. Have fun in heaven. The government does not absolve you of your sins or make you a better person because you work for it. If anything, it makes you into a worse person. Because you know that you have the power to take people's shit and you're unaccountable for it. All these dickheads working at the border, they know that their pensions are secure. They know that they're working for the government. They know they're not going to be fired. They know there's a a quote-unquote humanitarian crisis at the border. Now, that may be true. But that's simply because we have way too many people trying to get in here. And these nonsense stories, by the way, I'm your AOC. It's like, oh, I sat on the floor and I hugged this one and I didn't feel safe. I felt like I was going to be sexually assaulted by the, not by the immigrants, by the way. Never mind the fact that there's something like 5,000 rapes every year on the way through to, to get to the border from these fucking monsters that are these coyote monsters and just everyday people that are coming this way. These are straight. I mean, these are, I'm not saying the exact numbers, but these are easily found facts. No, AOC thought that she was going to be sexually assaulted by the border guards at the facility. You know, because that makes sense that they'd they'd come in and and rape a senator. And this is all from the Facebook group. But they're also talking about how she's like, oh, well, you know, people were drinking out of toilets. Okay, bullshit. No, (laughs) no, I don't believe that for a hot second. I don't believe, in truth, maybe this is something that says something about me. But I have a hard time believing any of this shit. And I'll tell you exactly why. Because it would not have mattered what they saw there. If they go to this border detention facility and everything was beautiful and the food was good and the people were happy and they're all sitting in beds, which of course, you know, they might have more beds if Wayfarer's asshole employees didn't walk out and stop them from providing beds to to staff at these facilities so people had a place to, to sleep. But here's the thing is, like I said, even if it was pristine and beautiful and and there were, there's music playing in fucking gardens like it's out of goddamn Star Trek The Next Generation. The Democrats would still say that the conditions were shit. I mean, it, does anybody think this isn't the case? Is anybody so delusional that they don't think that the Democrats have their pre-scripted things that they are going to say about these detention facilities? And regardless of what they actually see, that's what will be published and that's what will be their talking points? You think AOC is going to go in there and come out and go, you know what? What's so bad? Yeah, I think this is all overblown. I was I was dead wrong on this one, guys. I had some of the food. Delicious. Delight. Souffle. Oddly enough. Souffles for these immigrants. No. Of fucking course not. So I can't believe a word that comes out of their mouths about this. Because I know the message does not reflect the reality, no matter what that reality might be. So, you know, fuck this story. What more can I say about it? 
Just, it, it, it's utter waste of time. All right, last thing, then we will wrap it on up now, is, oh, real quick on the 4th of July, guys. You know, we're seeing Trump wants to roll out tanks, which I actually think would be hilarious. And I, in truth, if we're being perfectly honest, I think having tanks at a 4th of July parade would actually be more interesting to the children attending the 4th of July parade and the adults than almost anything. I mean, how many goddamn shitty 4th of July parades can we have where you got, all right, there's, there's a Uncle Sam's on stilt legs. That's cool. Oh, there's some of those little guys in Shriner hats driving around little cars. That's neat. Oh, there's the Fraternal Order of Joe Bidens with their uh, their tiny little girl's hair. They like to smell the hair on. That's that's fun. I mean, really, say, Fourth of July parades are boring. They suck. Get some tanks in there. I'd see some tanks. <laughs> that's cool. Anyway, uh, overall though, the Fourth of July thing. You know, I'm I'm really. And I shouldn't be. I'm torn about whether or not, you know, I got I got this house. I got a flagpole. I was like, should I put my flag out? Should I buy an American flag and put it out there? I mean, I'm still, I still am proud to be American, despite the fact that it's status, despite the fact, yeah, yeah, nationalism. Yeah, yeah, jingoism. You know, I still am proud to be an American because I do think that this is still, despite everything, you know, the best country out there. And I think that it has the most ability to give people the freedom that was once more prevalent. So, you know, I guess if I didn't appreciate and love this country, why the fuck am I fighting so hard against all the things that are just tearing it apart, that are eroding away the freedoms that we're supposed to be having here? I mean, we get back to the origins of the country. It still is inspiring. And I know we say, oh, well, we want to abolish the state, which, yeah, sure thing, man. But in the interim... I do think it's important to cling to what we have. And if that means flying the flag, if that means uh, embracing a proud identity as an American, well, fuck, man. I'm not going to feel bad about that. So I'm going to fly the flag. But at the same time, I do think that people need to take a little step back and remember why the 4th of July was so important. Remember why independence is so important and what this country stood for. And I think that gets lost. You know, there's the whole thing, oh, the Revolutionary War, we, you know, we got our independence, great. And then people forget why. <laughs> they forget it's because of taxation. They forget it's because of lack of representation. They forget it was because of a massive amount of armed oversight by an authoritarian entity over the colonies here. Instead, we just shoot off some stupid fireworks. You hear that happens for about eight months. So, anyway, happy 4th of July, guys. Whether that, <laughs> whether that makes you statist or not, I'll still urge you to celebrate it in some shape. Whether that's just getting drunk in a parking lot and burning yourself with an accidental sparkler. And don't forget, tweet me your Big missing thumbs up if you do get the good fireworks. Uh, last thing for the show today as I slowly sweat out my remaining life forces is our Idiot of the Week, courtesy of a fan favorite, Frederica Wilson, otherwise known as Florida's biggest idiot, who has uh, apparently no concept of, number one, law, number two, free speech, Number three, censorship, or number four, a general cadence, which do, don't sound like a complete and total dickhead. Oh, and also, if you've never seen her, I did put the video on the website again, lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL130. 
you gotta go take this this chick and just take her in. Really, give yourself a visual buffet. This is the woman that always wears these crazy hats, and she looks like a little black pod person. Have you never seen the movie The Dark Crystal? Anyway, she does. She looks like a, a like a black pod person from The Dark Crystal, and uh, <laughs> just imagine her crazy little voice. She's like, "Oh Lord, and the Skeksis are coming for me. They want my purple crystal." <laughs> oh God. She's just like this round-faced, crazy-voiced, crazy-looking chick. And, of course, she's a representative from Florida. So that really tells you about all you need to know about Miss Frederica Wilson. So enjoy, and I'll see you after the status holiday. That's <laughs> coming up on the 4th. All right. Adios. From me, Brian McWilliams, from the Lions of Liberty and from Electric Liberty Land, always stay plugged into Liberty. Those people who are online making fun of members of Congress are a disgrace. And there's no need for anyone to think that is unacceptable. We're going to shut them down and work with whoever it is to shut them down and they should be prosecuted. You cannot intimidate members of Congress, threaten members of Congress. It is against the law. And it's a shame in this United States of America.